gentlemen you know what that sound means it means it's episode 158 of the personal arrogance podcast i'm one of your hosts my name is eric walquist and joining me this week as he does each and every week is the other host of the show his name is i am jesse uh tussled and scrambled eggs wilson oh i hear those blues are calling <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny like i don't know how long it took me to realize that fraser wasn't actually filmed in seattle oh yeah it should have been obvious when they did that one episode that was filmed in Seattle and everything right. was different. It looked weird. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know how old I was when that show came out. Probably like 11. So you can't hold it against me that I was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All 11-year-olds are pretty dumb. They're pretty dumb. I mean, kids are dumb, right? Uh, yeah. Just because they don't know anything. I mean, it's just kind of what they are. It first aired in 93. Holy cow. Yeah. Hot off those hills. I guess you got to do that because it's a spinoff of Cheers. Right. Uh, man, 1993. Yeah, so it was eight. What? I didn't even comprehend what, what Frasier was <laughs> at the beginning. Like, it, it probably could have been set in Boston for all I care. Oh, yeah. Then Cheers, Cheers finished in 93. Wow, hot off the heels. I didn't realize it was that hot off the heels. Yeah, me either. Cheers. Pro- Frasier probably one of the most successful spinoffs of all time. It's got to be up there. What right. else would there be? Like Laverne and Shirley? Isn't the, wasn't the Jeffersons one? I think the Jeffersons uh, was a spinoff. I wouldn't know. Anyway, enough, enough of this interesting banter, Jesse. What's <laughs> uh, how was your week? Um, good. I uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Right, we're going camping uh, this weekend. And I may have purchased a new board game. Say what? To break out, and oh. your wife is obligated to play because we need four players. Oh no, she'll play. Okay, cool. She'll play. What what, what board game is it? A Game of Thrones, the board game. Ooh. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of like intrigue and uh, right? like alliances, and then backstabbing and stuff like that. So it should be fun. <laughs> I call Lannisters. Oh man, I love the Lannisters, but I think I want to be like I want to be a more obscure house. What's like the one the with the octopus? Maybe. Isn't it like uh, one with an octopus? That's great joy. Great joy. Yeah. I like that. That sounds so good. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I also, I got the Spartacus board game. Oh, yeah. Uh, which has gotten pretty good reviews for being a game that uh, is based on a TV show that doesn't get right. very good reviews. So, <laughs> but it's actually gotten good reviews for being a pretty a pretty great game to play. So I would love to play that um, as well. The, yeah, the game is better than the show. Yeah. Much like Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> That's usually how how it goes. It's like you know the the book is better than the movie, and the game is better than the board game is better than the than the show. Yeah, that's classic trope. Classic How's your week? Uh, it was fine. I did a little dog sitting this weekend. Got to hang out with the lab, which was cool. Uh, got to uh, be sick on Monday. Oh, Food really? poisoning. Basically, just puked my guts out all morning. I feel like I may have giving myself food poisoning tonight great job oh this should be a fun cast <laughs> yeah if i have to run away for some reason <laughs> yeah i actually had one play. of those moments on monday where i had to run from the couch to the toilet oh boy those are fun i feel Which like end? oh it was just the just the top end okay it's honestly well i don't need to get into it that much detail <laughs> but the top end's pretty awful mm, 
Yeah. I hate the act of vomiting. And it's something that, like, I hate doing it so much that I will postpone it as long as possible. But then after I do it, I feel so much better. Yeah, it's it's very relieving. I feel like it's more relieving than the than the rear end. That's true. I feel like the the rear end is more is more uh, comfortable during the process, <laughs> yeah. but less relieving afterward. Whereas vomiting is worse during, but more relieving afterward. Well, we've really cracked this one. <laughs> yeah, let's call the Da Vinci Code, folks, because I think we're on to something. Uh, anyway, Jesse, what are you drinking this week? I'm drinking uh, free beer from work because mm-hmm. uh, last night I plowed through a six-pack that I probably should have saved for um, <laughs> the show. <laughs> was, it the, was it sent to us? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No. But um, I picked up a six-pack, and we're constantly singing the praises of Full Sail. Oh, especially yeah. Especially their LTD you bet. series. Yep. Right now, LTD number three is out, the Bohemian Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. I see a little pilsner in my little hand. Yeah. It's a bohemian pilsner. Done with six, done with six. <laughs> now it's time to go to bed. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, dude. I can't. I love Full Sail, man. I think they're like quickly becoming my favorite brewery. Yeah, they're, they're definitely up there for me. So LTD number three, pick it up if you get a chance. Get a chance. I'm just uh, drinking my last Twilight of my 12-pack. Oh, so. no. I'm in the twilight of this twilight 12 pack. Yeah, the sun's setting on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did notice that they already have uh, some pumpkin beers in the stores uh, starting to roll out all the fall seasonals. Yeah, I know a guy who works for Elysian, and apparently Elysian brewed their first pumpkin batch on July 4th. Holy cow. Yeah, so they're really early. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that fall might be my least favorite seasonal season now. Yeah, well, I mean, they don't all have to be great. That's true. It just makes the great ones greater. Exactly. Speaking of great ones, Jesse, who is this episode dedicated to? Uh, the greatest of them all, mm-hmm. our new listener, and a guy who's uh, he, he knows how to take one on the chin and mm-hmm. keep on going, true is uh, Jim. Jim. Who, Jim gave us a little piece of uh, feedback after we may have made fun of him on one episode, <laughs> and uh, he was very nice about it. Right. So You may know him as, we know him as Jim, but you may know him as Jay. Because he signs his emails Jay, but we know that his real name's Jim. Oh, well, it's, shoot, I've let the cat out of the bag. You might you really know did. him as uh, Top 3 Hot Babes of the Week. Exactly, Top 3 Jay. Hot Babes of the Week. Like, we gave him we gave him a little bit of a rest, but he took it like a champ and then wrote us back. So I guess yep. we can roll right into listener feedback. Jay says, Jesse and Eric, I continue to listen to your podcast each week, and I enjoy it. I wonder if I continue to listen to your podcast is a response to us saying, well, I guess we lost him as a listener. Ah, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, I just pop- I just popped open a fine tasting Coors Light. Ha ha. Ha ha. Uh, my all-time favorite board game was – Huzzah. A- Huzzah. My all-time favorite board game was Axis and Allies. I really enjoyed having five players – Planning and strategy really came into play. I was wondering if either one of you has played this much. If so, what were some of your strategies? Some of mine were the Alaskan Bridge, moving allied men and tanks from Alaska to save Russia from Japan, conquering Africa and turning into a cash cow for Germany, and finally, totally destroying the British fleet with the German Luftwaffe, no matter what the cost. Thanks, and get off my back, Jay. Now, I didn't play a ton of Axis and Allies, but I know that you did, right? Yeah, it was one of those games that my dad got me into at a young age, so mm-hmm. it really helped foster my love of 
board games as well as uh, my love of World War II because right. he would actually just kind of set up the board and like he would like show me the map and uh, tell me like about what really actually happened. So I, I really enjoyed that. Uh-huh. Um, I never I never did the Alaskan Bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, conquering Conquering Africa was always uh, a big. A big deal if you were the German. I like to play as uh, either German or Japan. I, I like the challenge of playing as the Axis. Mm-hmm. Because and, uh, it's, more, the, the, it's the more difficult. Yeah. The problem with the British fleet thing is is that the like I have the worst luck. I just have really bad luck when it comes to dice rolling and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I will always send like, I'm like, I'll send this fighter to uh, knock out that uh, transport ship. <laughs> And then uh, I'll roll a six, which is bad, and he'll roll a one and shoot down my fighter. Yeah, bad news. And that's that. But I was also I was a big fan of the uh, German tank rush. Just by I think he started with like forty dollars a turn, and tank cost five, so he'd buy like eight tanks per turn and just try and hit Moscow, like just a (laughs) beeline straight to Moscow, which then responded with the um, never fail tactic of. The Russian infantry sponge, where you do nothing <laughs> yeah. but buy infantry and throw them at the tanks, which is actually kind of what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I love Axis now. It's, it does take, like, a year to play, though. Yeah, it takes, like, six hours, at least six to eight hours. But the great thing, I feel like the newer versions take a little bit longer. But what's great is, like, the first turn takes forever, and then the second turn takes a while. And by turn three, like... 60% of the board is wiped off. Like, <laughs> the casualties of the first two turns are pretty pretty astounding. And then it kind of evens out once everyone's dead. Yeah. Yeah, Axis and Alley is a pretty interesting game. Actually, uh, I think it was first published in 1981, so it's also a pretty old game. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a classic. Yeah. And, uh, and there's also smaller versions of it. So they have like Guadalcanal, they have Battle of the Bolds. What do you yeah, think I of those smaller ones? I haven't played any of those ones. I have Axis and Allies Pacific, uh-huh. which they've done a second version of, but the original version was really good. Yeah, I always thought those smaller battle versions would be cool. I thought we played one of those ones in Bellingham, but I might be off. No, never. Not, I haven't played any of the battle All right. scenarios. Well, thank you for writing us, Jay, and thanks for being a good sport. Uh, up next, we got another Jay, a JR from Philly. He gave us a voicemail this week, and here it is. What's up, guys? It's JR from Philly, and I am very excited at the idea of this spinoff beer review podcast. I have some good ideas on it. Here they go. One, rotate correspondents from different regions of the U.S., even go international with it. Because as we know, there is an international following for this podcast. So why not leverage the personal arrogance community? Uh, So the people from the different regions could interview brewers and other craft beer personalities from their region. Um, And maybe the format is sort of like the Inside the Actors Theater format, where we have sort of like a set list of questions we gauge uh, use them to gauge the pulse of where they think the industry is and uh, important things, some of their favorite uh, styles or uh, ingredients. Um, we could also have like a little like food or cooking segment about how you use beer in certain recipes. And um, 
it could also be a good vehicle for the beer exchange, which don't forget, Jonathan Drozden and I have some beer to send out to you, so uh, you let us know and we'll lock that in too. So very excited about this. Let's make it happen. Get off the backs. Stay arrogant. Later. Later, JR. This dude's excited about your podcast, man. Yeah. Um, it'll, it's, it's, it'll still be a little while out. I got mm-hmm. a busy rest of the summer, but yep. it'll be a fun uh, autumn and winter project. That's exactly right. And on top of that, we got the uh, – so we got the – is it still Woman Man Beer? Is that the uh, working title? Yeah. Uh, so Woman title. Man Beer. So that's coming out this fall uh, starring Jesse. And then we got the uh, Get Off My Running Back podcast uh, starring me and uh, – I'm very excited about our fantasy football league. Uh, as you know, eighteen it's eighteen listeners slash hosts are a part of this league, and now we have our draft lineup is set, which I'm very very excited about. Um, and Jesse, you got a pretty good pick. You're number six. Ooh, all right. A lot of mock drafts. Marshawn Lynch is falling to six. Just saying. My number so. one pick is Leon Washington. <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but number one, we got the Betty Monsters will be the number one pick in the draft. So I'm guessing Adrian Peterson will go there. Uh, the Betty Monsters are who who runs the Betty Monsters? That would be Amy. So Amy has the first pick of the draft uh, in the Betty Monsters. So uh, there you go, Mighty Sperm Walls. That's my team. We're all the way down at number fifteen. Oh boy. So, you know, it's a snake draft, though. So we're pick 15, and then we're pick four of round two. So, you know, you'll be able to kind of get – because that's the thing about being the first pick in the draft in the 18-team league. You get the first pick, and then you get the the 36th pick, whereas I get the uh, I get right. the 15th pick and the 22nd pick. So, I you know, I'm, now I'm working on my draft strategy. I'm very, very excited about it. Uh, Aaron's all the way down at, at pick 17. And then the wheel pick – they call it the wheel pick because uh, – because you get to pick 18th and 19th. You get to pick right right, right on top of yourself. That's uh, third and third and and what is the full name here? Third and long claw, which is which is <laughs> <laughs> You like that one. That's really good. Yeah, third and long claw's got the wheel pick and that's uh, Nick. That's, so. that's a game of thrones goof. Yep. Uh, that's the name of Jon Snow's sword if you're wondering. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, so I'm very, very excited about this. The Fantasy Football League, it, our draft our draft order is live, and our draft is just 15 days away. So I'm very excited about that because Jim and Aaron will be in my apartment for the draft, and we'll be live yeah, streaming the whole thing. Too. Yeah, so we could have, uh, just as long as your flight gets in on time, we'll have you, me, Aaron, Jim, and Levi all here in my apartment live for the draft. Wow. Yeah. My poor wife. And we'll be live streaming. So everybody can join in on that. All right, Jesse, you ready for uh, a little tiny Matt roll-off? Get the show on the road? Yes, I am. Okay, well, we are each... Tyrion Lannister roll-off. There you go. Uh, We're each going to roll a 20-sided die to see who gets to speak first on this podcast. And here we go. Whoop. Lost my my D20. Uh, uh Uh-oh. Three. Oh, could could it be over? (laughs) Oh, I rolled a four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rub it in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess I get to go first then. Um, so the D23 Expo uh, happened this past week, and I guess that means we're talking about movies. 
Do you know what nemesis means? D23? D23. So the D23 Expo is... Why is uh, it called that? I actually don't know why it's called that. But it's the Disney Expo. And it's basically put on by Disney um, so that they can kind of talk about all of their new cool shows that are coming out. And also they also talk a lot about like the rides and the attractions that are coming to the Disney parks. So um, the the D23 Expo, you know, it happened, and they talked about some stuff. They mentioned Star Wars for, like, a, a, a brief minute. They uh, showed some footage from uh, the Marvel movies coming up, Thor of the Dark World, Captain America Winter Soldier. They talked a little bit more about the Avengers 2, um, gave a little bit more info about Guardians of the Galaxy. But nothing really groundbreaking. Nothing is nothing is, uh, informative as uh, as – Comic-Con. In fact, they, they just kind of reused a bunch of stuff from Comic-Con. Um, but uh, they also um, talked about a new movie that's coming out that's got me intrigued. It's piqued my interest. So this is a movie that is uh, being directed by Brad Bird. Uh, Brad Bird is – he basically cut his teeth on uh, – you know, in, in um, Pixar – uh, and I believe he also did uh, uh, the Iron Giant as well, if I'm not mistaken. I am mistaken. Uh, Toy Story three, Brave Up. Uh, those were those were the movies that he worked on. Also, Ratatouille. So he, he cut his teeth there, and then he kind of went on to um, to do uh, bigger movies, including uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Was like the last big movie that he did. Um, but they're basically teasing this new movie that he's doing. It's called Tomorrowland, and it's basically a sci-fi project. It's based it's a uh, it's based on the Tomorrowland in Disneyland, um, but it also uh, is kind of about more than that. It's going to be starring George Clooney, and they said it's not going to just be like set in Tomorrowland. It's going to be more about like the ideals of tomorrow and what Walt Disney wanted, and kind of. Uh, a sci-fi mystery around that. So when they had uh, the presentation for this, they brought out this box that they said that they found in like the back room of some Disney building um, and kind of made this creative history around it. Uh, but uh, I'll just read here from the slash film article. It says the coolest thing in the box, according to the Disney team was a record disc dated November, 1963. Usually, uh, unusually, it was made of metal, and Disney was able to extract data from the bands on the disc. They discovered, in quotation marks, uh, some animated footage, apparently decades old, which they had cleaned up to show to the D23 audience. The animated clip was done in 1960 style, albeit with modern-day quality. Much of it was choppy, so the description it follows or just a few quick impressions from the scene. It starts with humanity at the dawn of history, smashing together two rocks to make fire and creative cave drawings before jumping forward to ancient Greece and other cities. Uh, there's no such thing as fate, proclaims a voice that resembles Orson Welles. Fast forward to the World's Fair Paris 1989. Um, I'm guessing this is supposed to say 1889. Images of Nikola Tesla, Thomas Edison, Jules Verne, and Gustav Eiffel flit by, and they appear to be working together on a big secret project... Uh, and we, Jerry Seinfeld. And Jerry Seinfeld. It was 1989. Exactly. <laughs> Kramer, Kramer busts in, grabs something from the fridge. Um, 
Uh, we also see pictures of various technological advances, including radios, cars, battleships, tanks, planes, electricity, nuclear bomb, and the burning streets that followed the bomb. The implication is the technology is double-edged sword. It has great potential for danger, but also represents optimism for the future. And uh, then the voiceover says, and fellow traveler, that's why we're invited here. At long last, we are building that tomorrow, a shining beacon of hope. In just 20 short years, we will share this extraordinary place with the entire world. Would you like to see it? So that's kind of the premise for this Tomorrowland. Stars George Clooney once again. The interesting thing here that kind of struck me about this is, like, I feel like Walt Disney is kind of slipping into this mythical realm. And I guess he was kind of in that realm when we were kids because he was he was dead by the time that we were born. But <laughs> he was in a mythical realm known as heaven. Right. <laughs> um, uh, he was in the cloud with Steve Jobs. Um, and but you know, there's also been this large like uh, I don't know what, I don't want to say it, but like a mythic mythification of people like Nikola Tesla uh, and Thomas Edison and Jules Verne kind of putting together this league of extraordinary gentlemen of like real people. Um, and I don't know, like, do you think like our kids will, uh, see Walt Disney is like a Nikola Tesla cause Nikola Tesla and like HP Lovecraft are two guys who were idolized by this nerd community. But, uh, it's like, they're trying to set up Walt Disney to be like part of this mythical, uh, historical figure realm. Hmm. Yeah, um, I could believe that. I mean, Walt Disney himself is like a property, you know? He is. He literally is. He's like a Mickey Mouse or whatever. So they're probably going to want to play with him. uh, Because isn't isn't like Tom Hanks playing Walt Disney in a movie? He is. So they actually talked about that movie uh, too. Uh, It's coming That's not a Disney movie, is it? It is a Disney movie. So they talked about that at D23 as well. Uh, it's a movie called Saving Mr. Banks, and it's a, the true story of Walt Disney getting the rights to Mary Poppins, uh. which I know sounds really uh, – <laughs> Yeah, that does sound pretty fascinating. I've, I've, I actually really enjoyed Mary Poppins when I was a kid. That was I, that was like my dad's favorite movie when he was a child. Like it, That was like the oh, yeah. Star Wars of like the generation because <laughs> like nobody had ever seen anything like that before, like people walking through a cartoon. Like yeah. that was mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they have that movie coming out, which is more of a light-hearted, uh, uh, history-based thing. But then it also seems like they're wrapping Walt Disney into this like more mythical realm. Yeah, uh, I think they're trying to make him into another, like another one of his creations, which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting. I think it's very interesting. I I love the idea. Like, I have a very fond place in my heart for Disneyland. I've never been to Disney World. But um, uh, when I was at Disneyland, because we went on my honeymoon, uh, we just like went up there for the day. They actually have this really cool exhibit next to where the Abraham Lincoln Hall of Presidents it, uh, exhibit is. And it basically has like a bunch of working models for the original Disneyland and like all of this original stuff. And like what Walt Disney did there, and he pulled it off in such an amazing way, I feel like. Because like you go to Six Flags. And it's a completely different experience than going to Disneyland. Yeah. Like, Disneyland is, like, stepping into some kind of dream world. Right. Like, this guy, like, was able to build these experiences in a little bit of a magical way. I mean, they call it the Magic Kingdom for a reason because you go to Disneyland and all of a sudden, like, it feels like you have been transported into this, like, 
weird, cartoony, but very at the same time comfortable world. Um, right. And this was a vision that the guy had back in the '60s, like early, late '50s, early '60s, which is pretty crazy. Um, I don't know. I saw yeah, this. His he definitely has a legacy, mm-hmm. and I think it's fair to. I mean, not he's no Edison, but right. I don't know. He he was he wasn't an inventor or anything, but it was definitely visionary. You could say he was the inventor because he he did make the first feature length animated film. And yeah, there you go. He also, uh, you know, he also, like, when when you think of the mil- movies of your childhood, like he was able to do something that, um, like he basically shapes everyone's childhood in America. Like he he becomes a part of the childhood because when I think back to my to the movies that I watched, and you <laughs> knew the people who had like every one of those big puffy case yeah, VHS yeah. tapes, Lion King, Aladdin, right, Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty, yeah, like, uh, you know, Pocahontas, uh, Little Mermaid. Like, basically, right. if you were a kid, you would just go to the Disney movie every year. Now you go to the yeah. Pixar movie every year, but now Disney owns Pixar. So, um, you know, it's 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 just a really interesting thing to me how he's been able to have such a seminal influence on everybody's childhood. And at the same time, you're, you're still bombarded with the stuff. Like, you're still, you still have your, you know, Goosebump books or your uh, outside, stuff from outside of Disney, your Nickelodeon shows, your Cartoon mm. Network shows, uh, Bugs Bunny and that stuff. But Disney all has, like, this kind of aura over it. They have such an amazing brand, but it's all literally based off of Walt Disney. It's just kind of a crazy thing to me. Um, yeah. I, I love the idea, too, of, like, like I love uh, – this this mythification of Nikola Tesla and like uh, all of these guys. I actually saw a T-shirt uh, on uh, I, I think it was on Threadless, and I really wanted to get it because it was only ten dollars. But it was like this cool like uh, it was Nikola Tesla and H.P. Lovecraft dressed in like it was like in, in the style of like Venture Brothers, and they had like a bunch of like you know uh, invented weapons like they were these expedition guys who would go off on these wild adventures and i was like i would pay to see that show yeah the nikola tesla thing's getting a little out of hand though <laughs> i mean people are attributing a lot of shit to him that he yeah. never did yeah and it seems like every other time someone gets all hyped up on him it's like he invented a way to pull electricity out of the air and <laughs> provide it for free to everyone on earth and then <laughs> His arch rival Thomas Edison swooped in, and I I don't know I think his he's getting a little inflated in this kind of pop culture the right. uh, heroism. Same with H.P. Lovecraft. Let's oh, not forget yeah. that H.P. Lovecraft like most of, a lot of the stuff that gets attributed to him wasn't actually his writing. It was stuff that wrote like in the same vein after he died. Uh huh. And he wrote a bunch of short stories. A lot of them are really bad. He wrote a lot of really bad stuff, and he was like a super racist. Yeah, it's super racist. That's the other thing that gets overlooked. You know, even you know uh, Nikola Tesla was like for like sterilization of stupid people. That was yeah. like one of- it was a different time back then. Though you, you do have to kind of put on your yeah. historical lens. And- well, you know, like Henry Ford was like a crazy anti-Semite. He he like included a copy of Mein Kampf in the glove box of every Model T sold for a while. Are you serious? I'm pretty sure. Wow. Could, now I'm beginning to question it. All of his bottle teas with hemp panels. You know, it, it was a different time, but I, you, it, these titans of, of, of invention 
are really kind of remarkable because we don't have a ton of them now. And it's like, I don't know who are the t- these titans of adventure. Like, in 50 years, is Steve Jobs going to be some guy who uh, who gets raised up even though he didn't invent anything? He just hired yeah. people and had, you know, I'm not vision. a huge Steve Jobs fan, so hopefully yeah. not. But it, exactly, he's the type of person where this inflated cult of personality would, would get built up around him right. because he becomes kind of a mythical creature. And yeah. if you really inspect his life it's not as amazing as maybe <laughs> yeah there, i mean there's also guys there's like elon musk who's like kind of the guy that everybody's talking about right now because he made pa- paypal and then he has you know this he's the spacex program and then also uh tesla motors he's like an investor in that so you know people are talking about him as kind of that kind of visionary right now but uh but these were people who were literally making light bulb like inventing light bulbs like inventing right. the stuff or like you know, creating the automobile that everybody is so reliant upon, and our economy is so reliant upon today. Like these are the people who are laying the true groundwork for the innovation that's so widespread now, because this uh, because it's available to so many people. The the tools and resources are available to so many people that a bunch of people can branch out and do what they want with technology today. I think that's what makes them so so mythical. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I'm like, are we? Is like Walt Disney like this new like uh, new new uh, new Tesla? I don't know. Um, but I am excited yeah, about this. Sounds like they're trying to build them up to be. Yeah, I, I am excited about this movie though. Tomorrowland. I am. I am excited about that. And Brad Bird did do Iron Giant, by the way. Um, so anyway, that's, so that's apparently. Henry Ford, uh, he uh, he acquired the Dearborn Independent and published a bunch of uh, anti-Semitic stuff in there, including like parts of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is like this uh, big Jewish conspiracy thing. Wow! Kind of laid out the groundwork of like the Jews control the banks, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess he was awarded the Grand Cross of the German Eagle by the Nazi government. Holy cow! There you go. Yeah, jeez. I mean, it's <laughs> on a different note. There's also people <laughs> like you know, like Hershey, who basically made a factory and then built an entire city for the people who worked in that factory, and like kind of made his own utopia out of chocolate. <laughs> like people are just crazy sometimes, and they can pull off these amazing things. Yeah, uh, Henry Ford tried to build a city in the Amazon what? For, uh, for like uh, rubber production. Uh huh. And uh, I guess, like, everyone got sick and died. I, re- I learned that one from uh, the Amazon Trail. <laughs> what was that? What's the Amazon Trail? Oh, it was the sweetest game. <laughs> I've, in the pa- I've looked for, like, ROMs of it in the uh-huh. past. And it was, like, it was like the Oregon Trail, but you go down the Amazon in a canoe. Uh-huh. And you have to, like, take pictures and identify different animals. And then you, instead of, like, going hunting, yeah. you go, like, spearfishing to catch fish. Uh-huh. And then, like, you got to avoid the, uh, like, the other uh, boats and stuff. And then uh, you have to, like, f- trade and, f- like, you trade stuff or different stuff. And the premise is you have to find some cinchona for, like, this uh, <laughs> cheetah uh, jaguar god that's uh-huh. dying. It was great. Wow. I never that, sounds, that sounds epic. It was hard. Um, I want to find me some cinchona. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Henry Ford, the remnants of the Henry Ford rubber rubber town. Well, it's going strong at that time. Oh, the Rubberville. <laughs> um, then maybe that's why they died out because they were all using rubbers. 
bum 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 anyway there you go Cults of personality. Jesse, what's your, what's your first topic? Uh, real quick, I'm just... Uh, it was called Fordlandia. Oh, wow. I wasn't that far off. No. Uh, so I want to talk about beer. Mm-hmm. Beer! Uh, there is a new... Um, a new beer on the market, but it's, it's unlike anything I've ever heard of before. Is a just add water beer from Pat's Backcountry Beverages out of Alaska. Just add water. So it's like it's it, a backpacker's beer. It's instant beer. It's instant beer. It comes in like these little packets, and then uh, you like pour them in with water in this little uh, like CO two device thing. Uh-huh. That has like a little chamber on top. You pour some sort of like patent pending uh, CO2 powder in it and then like jiggle what? this switch and it like carbonates it and then you have beer. CO2 powder? Yeah, it's like some sort of chemical reaction mm. that reacts with the water in the beer and it carbonates, carbonates it. Jeez. Yeah, so uh, the guy s- says that. Our process allows us to start with almost no water and carefully control the environment of fermentation, which is crazy to me. Uh-huh. Like a, they're doing like a waterless fermentation. I, I mean, I guess it's just the minimal amount of water necessary to get a good fermentation going in there. And uh, according to the website, it says uh, that the beer will taste like a premium microbrew, <laughs> and each packet makes a, a single 16-ounce pint, which is redundant. Wow. Yeah, so... Um, I'm pretty excited about this. Are be, you? I mean, it makes sense if you're going backpacking for a while. I, if mm-hmm. you're going to just hike up water, right? just hike up the beer anyway. But if you have, like, the water purifier thing. Yeah. And then uh, you can uh, filter your own water and uh, have beer when you're up, up hiked up high. Because you know how heavy it is to hike beer. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, so a couple of questions. Um, is... What's the alcohol content? Uh, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually answer that. Because that's um, I'll I, see if I can find out. I feel like that would be kind of tough to make like instant alcohol. Yeah, I I don't but, know. And is that's, this is this a concentrate or is it a powder? It looks like it's a powder. Weird. How do you powderize alcohol? Maybe it is. Oh, uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just looking at this bad picture of the box maybe uh-huh. it is like a goop or something maybe, maybe goop <laughs> oh, oh man and then that's going to be like the thing is to eat the goop this, oh, <laughs> this means that we are very close to the beer dip and sticks where you just get the three beer pouches you get like <laughs> your ipa your pills there and your stout and then you get a little you get a little sugar stick and then you just like eat the powder for the beer yeah oh man that'd be great zero calories Mm-hmm. And it could be a pretzel spoon, so you can just eat that. Oh, I like that. I'm pretty sure there would be still tons of uh, calories. Calories, yeah. <laughs> High calorie powder. Get so, it. So yeah, hot. they they say if you go to the production facility, you'll see fermenters and mashing and kettles just like normal. But you also see some equipment that looks like something out of a sci-fi movie. <laughs> and that's where a very specialized te- technology allows us to do what we do. Ooh. 
That's backcountry beverages. I'm excited about this. I really want to try it. I want to try it too. I really do. But is, is it in production? Can you buy it? Uh, it sounds like it's going to come out here soon, if not already. Pat's they sell. They already sell like the carbonator water bottle. Uh huh. So that's like where they got started. Huh. I kind of want that just because I like carbonated water. Beer concentrate. Here we go. Yeah. Um. um Okay. Yeah, they don't mention the alcohol content. This is interesting. I'm on. Okay, where am I here? Yeah, I guess it is beer con- beer concentrate. So yeah, you could totally just goop this up and get wasted. Mm. Get your uh, beer gel. <laughs> mm. Get a, a full growler full of beer gel. Yeah, that would be uh delicious. Yeah, it doesn't really say. It doesn't mention alcohol content at all. Physical store locator. Let's see if this is in Seattle. Oh. Oh, yeah, baby. We got a store here in Seattle. Oh, yeah? Mountains Plus Outdoor Gear. Oh, it's on Mercer Island. I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is interesting. So this guy's up in Alaska. He just wants to make beer goop, and he does it. <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to check out his operations, see what it's like. I'm excited for it, though. I mean, I I'm – very interested in the idea of doing some more backpacking. I always hike up beer. I can't, I mean, hiking and drinking beer and camping go oh, hand in hand with it, these. Yeah, totally. And back, back, country, uh, back country camping is like the best kind of camping. Yeah, you, exactly. Um, what, uh, have you ever tried any other dehydrated food? I've never tried dehydrated food for camping. You know, I feel like I did when I was a kid. Yeah. But uh, it's been a long time. Right. I remember like uh, mashed potatoes, I guess. Dehydrated mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are really good. Wow. So they come right now. You, I guess they they have these for retail, but they're packs. They're actually pretty cheap. Um, How much are they? So a carbonator kit itself, this, is, this isn't cheap, but the carbonator kit itself is $40. Oh, geez. The carbonator bottle is $29.95. Um, but if you want a 12-pack of the goop, is $6. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. want this goop so bad. You don't have to carbonate it either. That's true. So you got the goop twelve pack is six dollars. You got the goop twenty four pack is only thirty three dollars. I don't get that. What? Oh no, I'm sorry. The eco activator twelve pack. That's what does the carbonation is the eco activator. So your ginger trail twenty four pack is thirty three dollars. So you are paying more than. Oh, but I guess each of these makes sixteen ounces. So that's about right. So you can get that. So they have the uh, the ginger trail. I guess that's not beer, though. Um, in fact, they don't have any beers available yet. They have ginger, pomegranate, terracola, uh, root beer, and, and lemon lime. So I call it bullshit on this. <laughs> well, um, they, they say that they're, they're going to get it. I know. So. I want it. Well, maybe we can contact uh, Pat and see if he'll send us a sample. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that for uh, the beer podcast. Give me some beer goop. I'm trying to think of other uh, in- instant things that I would like to bring with me on a backpacking trip. Mm. Like instant mayonnaise would be good. Because <laughs> I love mayonnaise on a sandwich. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Instant beer, I think that pretty much takes a cake. But maybe you could do this with any alcohol, too, seemingly. It's like instant rum, instant vodka. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 
That's just like rubbing alcohol. Yeah. Well, that's what I use now. I used to use mouthwash. There you go. Yeah. That works. That's It's dual function. That's the trick for uh, mm-hmm. backpacking is dual function things. Yeah. It's also the trick for like 12-year-olds in junior high. <laughs> Girl, um, <laughs> that was like the thing at Ridgetop was like to go and, and take shots of mouthwash in the bathroom. You're fucking kidding me, right? <laughs> no, that was like the thing. Oh, that's disgusting. It's pretty gross. Did you ever do it? I tr- I did it once. It <laughs> does not taste delicious. Ugh. Just like Listerine? Yeah. Well, you get like the mint flavor. Doesn't that hurt? It hurts like a hell. It looks. It hurts <laughs> like a. So dumb. It hurts like a hellfire in your lungs. But you could buy it at Bartel Drugs, which uh, you know why not? Oh, yeah, man. good question. Well, there you go, dehydrated beer, man. Let's do it. Let's take it yeah, space. I'm gonna have to try it out. There's gonna be a shit ton of this stuff on that Mar- one way Mars trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. Let's do some trivia. Um, I got uh, Genius One Trivia Pursuit. And uh, I'm going to roll six-sided die to see which category we do this week. If I can find a six-sided die, here's here's one. I have a giant bag of dice now. Uh, I rolled a two. I don't want to do that, Corey. Roll the two again. Roll the three, which is history. Let's do it. All right. It's, I feel like it's been a while since we've done a good history. Yeah, and just like, I, I always like to remind everybody that Jesse does have a bachelor's degree in history uh, right before we do the history category. Yeah, there, there so, you go. No pressure on Jesse. And Eric has a bachelor's degree in being an asshole. <laughs> I do. Cum laude. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. Jesse, this question's for you. What is the world's largest news agency? This is 1981. World's largest news agency. Um. Uh, the Rupert Murdoch's thing. It'd be News Corp. Yeah, I'm News gonna, Corp. I'm gonna go with the BBC, the Associated Press. You know what? I was I almost said that, but yeah. then I was like, "Is that does that count?" Yeah, well, absolutely, I counts. overthought it. Yeah, AP Wire, baby. All right, let's do this. Uh, this one's for me. Who sued the Dan and Yogurt Company for using a character named? Ron Raider for promotion. Ron Raider. <laughs> oh, th- I guess I'm I'm the one who's uh, answering this. Ron Raider. I'm going to go with uh, Steven Spielberg. Raiders I'll of the Lost say- Ark. <laughs> I'll just say Disney. Raiders of the Lost Yogurt. Ralph Nader. <laughs> That's so funny. What? Ron Raider, Ralph Nader. I'm Ron Raider, and when I'm not uh, getting gremlins <laughs> off of production lines, I love Yoplait. <laughs> Ron Raider. The, he doesn't like Pintos. Uh, okay, Jesse, this question's for you. What was the third country to get the bomb? <laughs> I want to say it's France. <laughs> I love how it's like the bomb. The bomb. Uh, yeah, very Cold War. You can always tell that, yeah, what era it's from if they just call it the bomb. So, yeah, you got U.S., you got uh, Soviet Union. France would be smart. Uh, You say France, I say England. Britain. Oh, no. Britain. Britain got the bomb third. Uh, Anyway, uh, okay, Jesse. Yeah, but they never use it. God, you need to to get the steal the tie. Here we go. Where was Richard Nixon when Gerald Ford became president? 
Richard Nixon was in California. That makes sense. Um, I'll say he was in the White House. He was 30,000 feet over Missouri. There you go. There you go. Eric wins. Eric wins everything this week. You sure do. That means it's your top topic. It is my topic. So my second topic is this new thing, and I guess it's not that new, but it is definitely still a thing, and that <laughs> is uh, something called seasteading. Have you heard about this? It sounds dirty. Yeah, it is. It dirty. also sounds like um, like Manifest Destiny didn't stop at the ocean, so now we're <laughs> like giving out plots of ocean that you can own. Well, you're not that far off. So there's actually an Indiegogo campaign for for the Seasteading Institute right now. Um, but basically, Seasteading is uh, is the future of 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 of, of countries. Oh, uh, is it like sea land? It is sea land. And but it's kind of an interesting thing about uh, about this. So uh, they. They say it's opening humanity's next frontier. So basically what they want to do is they want to make these floating platforms. Um, and each platform will be a Petri dish for government. So they need people to uh, to, to volunteer to run uh, test governments on these uh, different like uh, pontoons out in the middle of the ocean. And basically the pontoons are detachable. So if you don't like the government that you're in, you can detach and then go to another uh, another seastead where you like the government better. This and is the, the coolest thing ever. And the idea behind this is that uh, is that you can find like the, be- the most optimal government because you basically have a bunch of governments in these little Petri dishes. And uh-huh. then you can use that – for uh for you know uh setting up actual governments in in full size countries that's amazing and they I love it they basically want to have these things like in little uh you know in 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 places where you're outside where you're in international water so you're outside the jurisdiction of any country right it's kind of crazy it also has some pretty strong libertarian ties <laughs> <laughs> but um but they do have an Indiegogo campaign going on right <laughs> now. The tide right will rise again. <laughs> it will. It's just like every day. Uh, and they're trying to get people to donate their boats as well. There's 37 days left on this, this Indiegogo campaign. This is Waterworld waiting to happen. It guys. totally is. It totally is. What happens when another government decides that they're just going to sink your government? We're going to sink your country, guys. See, that's the problem is that there has to be rules, right? So like the all rules the rules go- are there are no rules on the sea. Exactly. That's what that's that, that's the problem here because you're going to have all these test governments, but then there's going to be still be overarching governance that goes along with these governments because, like, what if one of this UN? Yeah. Well, what what if one of these uh, decides that they're just going to kill a bunch of people in international waters with no flag flying? I think that's still illegal. You can't just kill someone in international waters. Can well, you? according to maritime law, you are supposed to be sailing under a certain flag if you're in international waters, and then you are subject to the laws of that country that you are flying the flag under. They're all flying Somalia flags, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, like so. The idea here is that you you don't fly under any flag, and then you're just uh, you are who you are. You, you is what you is. 
but yeah, like you can't kill people. You also still have to have the rule that people can leave if they want to, because that's like the whole idea for this experiment is that people can leave and go to other mm-hmm. governments. So a government right. can't say nobody can leave. Right. Um, and, and yeah, and then you can't have wars because that would also be How terrible. are, I mean, you're, this is all missing in a pretty vital part of government, which is economy. Yeah. You're just out there doing a thing. Like, you're not <laughs> – countries are based off of economy and wealth extraction and, you know, trade. Well, they – you know, I'm sure they're all – I'm sure they're thinking about this. But I, they're going to be, like, gr- growing, you know, food and stuff on these pontoons. Um, yeah, that's the idea is that these are all self-sustaining places. And this is going to be Indiegogo because this is like well, – this is like – billion dollar that's what I'm a, I'm a little interested in what this indiegogo campaign is actually for because there's only a twenty thousand dollar goal <laughs> <laughs> which means it's like <laughs> we need to catch a series of detachable <laughs> pontoons that are capable of sustaining agriculture so that we can create this mock government that really produces nothing right and then uh do this for a series of years <laughs> And yeah. then, uh, yeah, should 20,000 G's should uh, cover it? Maybe a couple of your guys' boats? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 20 G's should be fine. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to see what you get for that, but it just says that uh, the campaign is part of our broader floating city project. Um, I want to be able to de- buy the rights to design one of the flags. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, they do have different levels here. They have the ten dollar goldfish level, um, uh-huh. where you get a sticker, uh, okay. and you get a white paper, which is real interesting. You get you have the thirty five dollar seahorse level, where you get the poster as well. Right. <laughs> yeah, sweet. sweet. That would actually be an interesting conversation piece. I know, right? I just want the postcard so I can put it on my fridge. Oh, postcard. Um, I thought you said poster. No, I want it is a poster. I was just saying oh, okay. they had a postcard. Uh, What's the poster of? The, I don't know. The Seasteading Institute poster. <laughs> uh, $60, the Stingray level, you get the T-shirt or polo shirt with the Seasteading Institute logo. Um, $100, the Barracuda level. I think Stingray is better than Barracuda. but Yeah, I love this uh, rating of animals here. Right. Uh, all of the above plus a copy of the Seasteading book when it's published in 2014. $240 <laughs> the octopus level. I agree with that one. Uh, all of the above plus bound copy of the Floating City white paper mailed to you upon completion. Uh, $500 sharks. Plus you get to have a conference call with the executive director of the Seasteading Institute. <laughs> uh, right? Hey. And then finally the $1,000 dolphin level. Mm. You get all the above plus a conference call for dinner if able to meet – or dinner if able to meet near San Francisco with the chairman of the board, uh, Patrick Freeman, and executive director, Rudolf Heinken. And you get a live dolphin. I hope so. This, this is how they're making their money out there. Dolphlandia. <laughs> Dolph Delph Lundgren is uh, going to be one of the presidents. <laughs> so, the cater for life. This is what I'm wondering. Let's just say Personal Arrogance gets their own floating uh, country. Okay, uh, that's er- not going to go well. Arrogantia. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Aroganistan. Aroganistan. I like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, we don't have to get super political about what we do from a political perspective. But if you're going to have your own country, you need a few things. You need currency. You need uh, beer goop. You need beer goop. You need holidays. Ooh. And you need a flag. So who would be on the Aero Aeroganistan's <laughs> currency? I think HP Lovecraft would be on one of the bills. Right, but we need to do this just like the uh, institute did. Like we need to know oh. what, what 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 bill. I think okay. I think HP Lovecraft's on the hundred. Yeah, he can be on. Well, uh, first, are we are we married to this uh, system of like fives and tens? No, not and, at all. So maybe maybe we can have like a hundred and thirteen dollar bill. Love it. Yeah, that's Lovecraft. Yep, one thirteen. Um, I definitely want who would be on like the one, like mm. we would need Sam somebody. Blinko. Sam Blinko would be on the one for sure. Uh, Sam Blinko would be on the one and the two. It'd be very confusing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fat Sam and skinny, skinny Sam. Exactly. Um, that's, a, that's our slang term for a two dollar bill is a skinny. Yeah, give me a skinny Sam. <laughs> um, that sounds dirty as well. Uh, let's go. <laughs> I like, I like like Jerry Seinfeld on the seven. Uh, actually I think that, uh, I think George Costanza should be on the seven because there was that episode of Seinfeld where he wanted to name that child seven. I don't know if you remember this. I recently watched a rerun. And it then was... we can have six from Blossom on the yeah, six. Six from Blossom on the six. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, I'm having a hard time thinking of my idols right now. I know. Um, what about from like, uh, like I mean, George Lucas? Oh, why don't we go Boba Fett? Boba Fett would be good on. Oh like, yeah, the f- Boba Fett's the yeah. thirty-two. I like Boba Fett on the one, and then you could call the slave one. <laughs> there you go. Just drop me a slave. We're gonna be the catalyst mm-hmm. to this. We will be the red hot crucible of barbarism that forces the <laughs> other uh, pontoons. To band together just to ch- right. defend our just our rating ways. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, who would be on? Who would be on? Or what would be on our flag? If you're the flag designer, yeah. Um, maybe it could be like a seahorse. Mm-hmm. Like it on on a, a a field of you know like the neon green that the Seahawks. Right. Use mm-hmm. that will be the background. Yep. Will be that neon green, the yep. high vis. Yep. The rave. And green. then a a black seahorse, which symbolizes bravery and also piracy. There you go. Um, that's, that's what I'm teaching. What do you have? Um, well, I think that we should just have a sperm whale. Um, but the sperm whale should be making a lot of money on the flag. <laughs> So it's like a sperm whale, but he's like swimming in, uh, like you know, in Ducktales when Uncle Scrooge yeah. jumps into the coin pool. Uh-huh. It's a sperm whale <laughs> swimming through a coin pool, and you have coins coming out of its uh, his breathing hole. That's another tradition of yeah. our uh, of our society is counterfeiting. Exactly. Oh yeah, counterfeiting is like our number one export. It's counterfeit yeah. money. <laughs> Is our number one export is your country's money. <laughs> and uh, and then finally, uh, Jesse, what are the holidays? What are we celebrating? Well, uh, <clears throat> I think every Friday should be Rebecca Black Day. Definitely. Which is a 
paid bank holiday. And I think, you know, there's also, uh, to go along with this, there's nothing against having a national religion. So maybe we have this idea of, like, deities. So Rebecca Black becomes a mythic, mythification. Yeah, she's like a demigod. Yeah, she's a demigod. It's Rebecca Black Day. So yeah. you have to make sacrifices. You have to, you know, have your bowl, have your cereal, um, <laughs> seeing everything. The time is rolling, ticking <laughs> on and on. Everybody's rushing. Yeah. Everybody's got to go to the bus stop. You know, catch your bus, see your friends. Um, anyway. <laughs> I also think there should be like a monthly uh, brew day. Yeah, I like it. Where everyone has to make some grog. Uh-huh. Beer. And then I also like the idea of just having packs like every three months. I like it, dude. I think we I think we have our country. Yeah, we need to uh we need to start our own Indiegogo to try and get raise uh funds parallel to this project so that we can buy in in some sort of like right. increased capacity instead mm-hmm. of just being a spectator or like co owner. Yeah, exactly. And then and then we can kind of we can also just move in right next to the seascaping people and then they'll have to deal with this. Yeah. Also it'll, yeah. It'll be <laughs> like a real buy, country. Uh we also need to buy a bunch of torpedoes. Yeah. But they don't have to have anything in them because they're a lot cheaper. We'll just get them surplus. <laughs> yeah, deactivated yeah. Uh, Soviet surplus torpedoes. Yeah, and then we'll, it'll look like we have the military might that we need to counterfeit everyone's money. <laughs> yeah, we also need to uh, get a money counterfeiting machine. Yeah, well, that's – that's uh, I have Photoshop. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I mean they're not going to have like proper mints, so they're probably going to be printing this stuff out on like cardstock. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean it takes like – is each one of these governments going to have their own currency and stuff? Because then you have to, like, that's a lot of equipment. When you were in elementary school, did you ever have funny money? Uh, I had six-star money. What was that? Six-star was that cheap Oh, yeah, store. yeah, yeah. No, and but, you, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I remember that. But at, uh, at my elementary school, we had this thing called, like, funny money and marketplace. It was, there were terrible names for what was going on. But, like, if you did something good, then you would get funny money from your teacher. And then every, like, month or two months or something, they would have this thing called marketplace where kids would bring, like, stuff that they made or they would, like – like, I brought, like, red vines that I would sell for 50 bucks a pack. And then people would spend their funny money that they had. And they were, like, trying to teach us about how to save and spend money and, like, run a business. Or, I don't know what the whole plan was. Probably they just have some time off. Uh, but this funny money <laughs> thing was crazy because, like, I always considered myself a pretty good student, especially in elementary school. I was, I was definitely a suck-up. And, uh-huh. like, I never had any funny money. And there were kids who had tons of funny money because they were counterfeiting the shit out of it. <laughs> really? Because it was just, like copied money on like a copy machine that's on so colored funny. paper so the and it was supposed to have a stamp on the back in order to be real uh-huh. but like kids would just like bar because like all the teachers are different types of stamps so they would just get a stamp from their parents and stamp all the funny money oh yeah there needs to be one unified stamp right the official funny money stamp but i just thought it was so funny like they were trying to teach us about like the economy or how to run a business and basically <laughs> kids started organized crime immediately with this funny money <laughs> that's funny and then you yeah it was like 1300 dollars for a shot of listerine exactly you it up anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just remember i like have this vivid memory of like this kid opening his backpack and having just it was Full of funny money. 
Um, Too bad it wasn't a briefcase. Yeah, and like this kid was not like a good like he was one of the bad kids, and I was like, yeah, dude, obviously, I was like, dude, how did you get so much funny about it? Because I was like a naive like eleven year old. I didn't even understand that Fraser didn't take place in Seattle. <laughs> anyway, You're like I just want to go home and watch Fraser in yeah. Seattle. <laughs> you have such a great view. <laughs> oh well, that's it. That's seascaping. So, Jesse, well, what's your second topic? Okay, uh, so I might actually be able to see these uh, seasteaders uh-huh. um, on my trip that's coming up to Hawaii in the future. And something uh, <laughs> it sounded, interesting. You sounded like the price is right. On my trip <laughs> to Hawaii. <laughs> A $5,200. Okay, so the best price is right moment ever, by the way. Yep. I love this so much. Yep. There's like five people. You know, they're lined up for the whatever it is where you, you bid. Yep. Um, or you're trying to guess what it is. Like the main game they play. Yeah, the showcase. Or it's not the showcase showdown. What is it? What? I don't know what they call that. Yeah. It's uh, anyway. Yeah. Where they show you an item and you say how much it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, so there's always the, the tactic of uh, oh. bid $1. Oh, my God. Yeah, but there's also the tactic of build, bid $1 more than the person next to you. Yeah. This was the best thing ever. So, like, the first person bids a dollar. Why? Can't blame for that. Well, how do you lead with a dollar? First person leads off with a dollar. Wow. Second person goes two dollars. Savvy, you're in the second position. You've just totally cut that person out. Right. And uh, play can proceed. Third person goes four dollars. Or goes a third person goes three dollars. Now you've cut those two people out, two right. people ahead of you. This is where the real dummy was. Right. Fourth person goes four dollars. Uh-huh. And thinking, how smart am I? I just wiped out all of those three guys right. in front of me. And the fifth person walked away by bidding five dollars. Jesus. Of course it was like six hundred dollars. Yeah, that's that's like a bunch of really dumb people. That's Except for the last guy. But number four right. is the especially dumbest person. <laughs> there are four very dumb people here. Because, first of all, you don't lead with a dollar. You only say a dollar if you have the last pick. Last, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, that's great. Went down the line. Oh, my God. So I won't be on The Price is Right. And I won't mm-hmm. be uh, drinking any beer goop. But okay. uh, six researchers who've been uh, spending four months living in a small dome in Hawaii... Uh, at 8,000 feet, they probably could have used some of this beer goop mm-hmm. because they've been actually on a mission to figure out what uh, food astronauts will eat on the mission to Mars in deep Ooh. space. So they uh. went to – they did this in uh, Hawaii and they mm-hmm. did it on the site of a, uh active volcano that last erupted in the 80s. <laughs> and uh, they, I guess they use it for the landscape because it's kind of Mars-esque. Okay. So they're living in the small dome, right? And uh, they're allowed to go outside the dome, but not unless they're suited up. Right. So they have to get in the full spacesuits and stuff to walk around. Uh-huh. It's kind of to, like, acclimate and simulate a, uh, a Mars colony. Okay. And this was specifically in uh, regards to the food. So uh, what these guys are saying is that what they consider to be really important for future space missions is the comfort food. Okay. Um, so I guess favorite among these guys, the six guys and gals, uh, 
was the chocolate hazelnut hazelnut spread Nutella. Oh. And I guess they it was something that they all craved, and they said, uh, we had a limited supply, so we had to ration it. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, living in a little dome and oh, rationing man. out your Nutella? I wonder how much these people are getting paid. You know, that's a good question. I hope they are getting paid. <laughs> they're all they're all just all college grad students. I could be. Yeah. It is. It was done through, like, the University of Hawaii. Or yeah, it sounded like grad students. And then, yeah. In a uh, typical Hawaii move, they also uh, encouraged people to come up with several dishes, including uh, using Spam. Oh, yeah. I love Spam. Yeah. So you're a Spam fan. I love Spam. Spam's good, man. Spam is a hit or miss for most people. I actually really like it. Right. Uh, one time I was hosting a couch surfer from Texas, and I made him a like a, kind of a hash brown and Spam thing, and he ate it, and he threw up. Why he threw up? Yeah. Did he throw up? Did you tell him that it was spam when he threw up? I told him that it was spam. He knew he was eating spam. He was hungover. Oh, it was definitely a hangover, dude. Spam but is good. He swears breakfast. it was a spam that kicked him over the edge. Well, I think it was probably the eggs that kicked him over the edge. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> it was my just problem with spam is that there's way too much spam in the can. Oh, okay. There's a lot of spam in that can. Mm-hmm. Also, the can is kind of expensive. All right. But they were they were looking for spam because of its long-term storage yep. capabilities, which is why it became so popular in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Because you can just put that shit on a ship. Right. Be like, Hawaii, here I come. Right. Um, so when they're coming out of the... Coming out of the dome and uh, acclimating, they have like a several-day report to uh, fill out <laughs> and everything to uh, finish up their research. And uh, one of the guys said that uh, I'm not used to large crowds anymore. Uh, The guy's a biologist, space researcher, filmmaker, visual artist, community organizer, and author. So Uh busy, busy man. Yeah, Barack Obama. (laughs) Yeah. And he's, uh, he he says we need to get used to people again because I guess like it's, it's just so isolating that the, just the idea of going into a crowd is, uh, Scary, almost. Weird. Yeah. So that happened in Hawaii over the last four months. Kind of snuck under the radar because the Russians did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Live in a live in a capsule for the length of a Mars trip thing, but right. um, didn't hear about this until until it was over. So the uh, couple questions. The so is four months. Is that how long does it take to get to Mars? Isn't that like eight months? I don't know why they chose four months. It does seem kind of arbitrary. Maybe they ran out of food. Mm. <laughs> You'd think they'd be able to plan a little better. Yeah, our number one fighting, not enough food, guys. <laughs> we needed comfort foods and also more of every type of food. <laughs> and also just food in general. Yeah, just food. Um goop. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a major question there. Um, uh, also... Plus, that's how long it takes a Russian uh, oh, space shuttle to right. get there. <laughs> yeah, since American space shuttles are non-existent, it actually takes them much shorter to get from place to place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, technically it's infinitely fast and slow at the same time. Exactly. It doesn't exist. It exists in all times and all spaces. <laughs> Except for any on Earth or our reality. Exactly. Um, <laughs> this sounds really cool. Would you do something like this? Um, if you could bring your wife and baby. Yeah, I'd have to bring my wife and baby. Yeah. 
So definitely no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because that's the question. I mean, like, there's this whole, there's all these people who've signed up. There's like a hundred thousand people who signed up for this one way trip to Mars. And right. Uh, the question there is, uh, I mean, obviously, since it's a one way trip, like you're going to want spouses to go together, right? So that they can procreate on the planet. Or would you not want that? Because it's probably going to happen regardless. There's probably going to be some frisky business going on. Space uh, babies. Like the thing is, if you spend send, uh, you know, families, then they have that family unit to be a part of. If not, that's going to be a. I don't think they want space babies. I don't think they want kids born on Mars, at least not for a while. Well, the, how are you going to do that? You're going to have to sterilize everybody. Yeah, it's a birth control pill or an IUD or whatever. IUD. I guess. Yeah, I guess an IUD would 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 do it. it yeah. Would, it would just be. Yeah, I mean, you you would have to have, like, a really select group of people. Otherwise, um, you'd have to send, like, a doctor, a nurse, a midwife. Uh, <laughs> or you just send all people of one sex. Yeah, that would work, too. Yeah. Like, the old ships of the age of sail. Right. Anyway, um, I, I don't know if I would. I think that I, the, the spacesuit part really interests me. But I'd probably only go if I could take my wife. I would go crazy. Are, are you talking? <laughs> would you go on the uh, just like the four month deal? Yeah, I do the four month deal. I don't really see the upside to this. <laughs> well, that's why I was curious about how much you're getting paid. Yeah, you'd have to pay me a lot. Like, also, if they sent a filmmaker, did they make like a documentary about this? It's going to be on Netflix in six months. I hope so. I feel like yeah. this could do some real irreparable damage to a relationship. Yeah, probably. I would have to go solo. Well, I know, but you saw my wife in my apartment that we lived in before. I mean, that thing was pretty tiny. Yeah, but you go to work. Right. But then I can always just put on a spacesuit and take a walk around the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. That is true. Yeah. I'm going for a walk. <laughs> in like 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, stay out of radio. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, well, so I that's hope- it. They could use some beer goop, and yeah, beer goop um, for sure. You know, maybe they should secede and start their own little yeah. colony on the ocean because they're obviously prepared for it. They are. They just want a ton of Nutella. <laughs> yeah, Nutella stand. Um. <laughs> all right. Well. uh Let's uh let's let the listener know how they can get in touch with us. Uh, you can always leave us a voicemail uh, at three six zero three six two zero zero two four. You just call that line and it goes straight to voicemail. You can leave us something there. Uh, you can uh, send us an email personalarrogance at gmail dot com. You can find us on Facebook. We have the Personal Arrogance Facebook page and the Ball Move Facebook page. Um, we're also on Twitter at Personal Podcast and uh, and yeah, that's how you get in touch with us. We love to have you on the cast, listener. So, uh, so please do that. Uh, also, geez, man, our HP Pubcraft Love Crawl has ninety people coming to it now. Mm, that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people, and we still got two weeks till the con. So, I'm excited about this. Is it only two weeks away? Yeah, it's two weeks from Friday. Wow, crazy! Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited, dude. I got this awesome camera rig that I built. So we could take a lot of cool video footage and give it to the fans. Um, and, uh, yeah, we got the pub crawl. 
Uh, I, we got a few surprises. I'm very excited about this. And plus, Aaron and Jim are going to come stay in my apartment. Uh, which my wife is not so stoked about, but I am very excited about. So. <laughs> um, Just a reminder that uh, Levi's fantastic wife hosted us all for a weekend. That's true. And she was our designated driver. Yeah, jeez. Super trooper. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got also uh, – that. so we just uh, put that event up on both the Bald Move page and on the Personal Arrogance Facebook page. So if you're going to be in Seattle during Labor Day weekend, this is the perfect time to hang out with us. Uh, come to the HP Pubcraft Love Crawl. You heard about it here first, literally. And so uh, first, last, and only place you heard about it, right? Uh, so that's eight thirty p.m. and that uh, we're going to be meeting at Card Kingdom in Ballard in Seattle. So if you can make it, we'd love to see you there. Um, all right. And uh, Jesse, I think it's time for some recommendations. But before we do, I forgot the Facebook roundup. Yeah, roundup, buddy. Let's round this thing up. Okay, Jonathan. Jonathan Drozd, if you had the chance to remake the Power Rangers into a movie series, what actors, actresses would you choose to play them and why? Now, Jesse, were you a big Power Rangers fan when you were a kid? No, I never got into it. I never got into it, too. Yeah, sorry. Uh, But, like, every other person that I talked to uh, who's, like, my age, like, loved Power Rangers as a kid. And, like, at my elementary school, Power Rangers was, like, the, the dumb thing to like. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I legitimately remember there was, like, one kid who liked Power Rangers in my school, and he got bullied for it. And oh, so no. nobody else watched Power Rangers. Oh, that sucks. It's like everybody else was just doing pogs. <laughs> glad that was pogs. Right. It's pogs. Yeah. And drinking Listerine sh- shooters. That was junior high, man. Oh, okay. When you're all grown up. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe he did that. It was the thing to do. People I, doing I things. I did do a lot of things that were the thing to do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I—I I mean, I have a vague remember of there was uh, the Red Ranger, there was the Black Ranger, Red, Blue, White, and Green. I think. Well, White and Green, I think, were the Special Rangers. White, Green, and I think Black. Green Ranger. I think Green Ranger became White Ranger. I'm pretty sure. I have no fucking idea. And then the Lady Rangers were the Pink Ranger and the Yellow Ranger. Oh, well, um, but I think the answer that we all know is Ryan Reynolds for all of them. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Reynolds, uh, Jack Black, Jack White, mm-hmm. Jackman, <laughs> yes. and Ryan Gosling. And Jack Nicholson as one of the monster guys. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So case closed. Uh, <laughs> Mike Wazowski. Uh, oh, that's nice. Mike Wazowski, Hasina. Uh, he says, give me your deserted island top five movies. Uh, for me, it would be Attack the Block, uh, No Country for Old Men, Full Metal Jacket, uh, probably Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. We'll go three comedies and two dramas. What about um, you, Jesse? I'll, I'll go with uh, that one where Tom Hanks was on the island. There you go, Castaway. Uh, the movie The Island. Right. And then uh, three World War II documentaries. There you go. Open and shut. Uh, Leland Darby says, what are some weird young adult movies or <laughs> movies that you read, novels that you read in middle school that in some way still impact your current view as adults? I didn't read a ton of young adult books either. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do much reading. I did. Goosebumps was like Ever. the one thing, but that's not really young adult. That's more like kids. 
Yeah. So, like, Goosebumps was my jam. Goosebumps, Animorphs. Yeah, Animorphs for sure. I guess there's Narnia. Yeah, there's Narnia. Like, when I got into high school, like, I just read, like, every Vonnegut book. Right. Uh, Junior high, man. Yeah. I did not do a lot of reading. I did yeah. a lot of uh, playing Doom 2. Yeah, it's also really hard to see straight when you are chugging Listerine. <laughs> <laughs> like a mofo. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, like, uh, I mean, Goosebumps was my jam. Like, book fair every year, I'd get like six Goosebumps books. I had like one through 35, all of them, on my shelf. Wow. I Super love the, that you could feel the, the yeah, Goosebumps feel on the them. cover. And that's how you knew they weren't in mint condition if the Goosebumps had been rubbed off. <laughs> It's true. They would like turn. They would turn into these white dots on the cover, and you're like, "Dude, your book sucks. It's not even in mint condition." Someone's been rubbing the fuck out of this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like Return to Camp Jelly Jam, Ghost Beach, which was the scariest one. There's say say cheese and say die. cheese and die. Say cheese and die two. Night of the Living Dummy. Night of the Living Dummy two. Night of the Living Dummy three. Night of the Living Dummy four. I liked the uh, choose your own adventure ones. See, I wasn't so into that. Mm, I remember, one. I remember reading one. It was like it was about a carnival or yep, whatever. Yep, it gives yeah, you, yeah, that's what I that's what I had. <laughs> it gives you the option, like your friends uh, jump the fence and uh, sneak into the carnival. <laughs> what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't want to jump the fence. And then it's like turn to page seventy two. It's like half a paragraph. Like you go home. Story over. <laughs> Like, oh, okay. Yeah, there was this one Goosebump book where it was like that this. That teaches you that you'll have no life if you don't, like, sneak into places and get into trouble. Yeah, totally. Which uh, I guess is true. There was also this one where it, they were, like, being attacked by giant praying mantises and stuff. And then at the end of the story, you learn that everybody's a robot, including the main character. Uh-huh. And they were all just part of, like, this um, this amusement park ride. That's lame. It was pretty mind-blowing when I was, like, 10 years old. Early Cylons. There you go. Uh, Derek Romaine says, your thoughts on the premiere of Breaking Bad, and did you listen to Breaking Good, and thoughts on the old blue yonder uh, rustiness? I love that podcast. Uh, I don't really watch Breaking Bad. That's my uh, it's my confession of the week. I, um, I've watched a few seasons of it, like, yep. a while ago. Yep. And then I, I was trying to get back into it, but, uh, like... I kind of need something I can watch when my daughter's in the room, yep. and uh, Breaking Bad is not that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's your new phase. Is now like every time you want to go to a movie, you got to be like, "Oh, can my daughter watch that?" Yeah. Well, I don't go to the movies, so that's not a problem. Yeah, fix that right up. Yeah, I'm more of a Mad Men guy. I love Mad Men. That's kind of what that's that's my show that I invest in and binge watch. But uh, I think Breaking Bad's the type of show that I'm just going to binge watch once the whole thing's done, which will be very soon. Um, but, uh, of course we love Aaron and Jim and we also love that they took over our podcast and talked about moving spaceships. Yeah. I, uh, I want to rehash this with Aaron cause yeah. I got a lot more to talk about, about generation ships. Oh, absolutely. So maybe during PAX, I yeah. think we could put a couple podcasts in the bucket during PAX. Oh yeah, totally. Some evergreens. Yeah. Um, Josh, a ego says, glad you enjoyed the beer, Jesse. Actually, I never tried the triple before, and I have to say they did a good job holding the 9%. Can't wait for the draft. It's the best part of fantasy football. I hope I get the 18th pick. I love the wheel. Oh, no. 
Josh, you didn't get the 18th pick. In fact, Josh, I think you are the 10th pick. So you're right mm. smack dab right so in the middle. It's like the opposite of what he wanted. Yeah, it's smack in the middle. Um, but, you know, 10th pick, not bad. You're, you know, Alfred Morris is projected, I think, to go 10th. So Who the hell is that? He's running back for the Redskins. Oh. And then finally we have Jeff Baxter. He says, ooh, I hate to jump on John's question, but did you know Power Rangers is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year and still going strong? What do uh, what do you think twenty years means, especially for a kids show? I mean, uh, I mean, for a kids show that I didn't even know the thing's still on, which is, I think is kind of impressive in itself. But when you look at like SpongeBob SquarePants has been on for like fifteen years, like really? yeah, like I remember when South Park came out. Like South Park came out when I was like twelve years old, which I know yeah. it's not a kids show, but like that, I remember it being like a huge deal when it first came out. Um, yeah, but I remember know, talking to my cousin about it. And it was when I was in Alaska, and it was like, it was when Princess Diana died. So that's uh-huh. when it was news to me. <laughs> right. I just remember uh, one of the kids at school had a South Park shirt, and I was like, my mom won't let me watch that show. Mm. And he's like, here, drink this lister. <laughs> <laughs> you want some funny money? That's going to cost you funny money. <laughs> uh, you know, the only real. It was 1300 a week ago. A week ago was a week ago. <laughs> We could go with it now. Uh, <laughs> you know, the only show that I really care about that's 20 years old is Frasier. Yeah. And that's called bookending, folks. So I guess that means it's the end of the show. Uh, thanks for listening uh, one more week. Uh, we will be back next week, and then Jesse's off to Hawaii, and then the week after that's PAX, and then it's going to be extravaganza. So uh, the, the depression comes. Exactly. The, the post-PAX and depression is going to – I feel like it's going to land hard this year. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, we are, you know, summer's winding down, but we are winding right up to this, uh, large crescendo that is the Penny Arcade Expo. So keep your ear to the ground for that. Let's do recommendations. <laughs> My first recommendation, uh, is a song of fire and ice book one, a game of Thrones. I finally finished it, Eric. What do you think? Uh, it's good. There's a lot of sad stuff happens and then, uh, it is entirely open-ended at the end. Well, that's good. And- there's no attempt to wrap anything up in any sort of package. <laughs> You're like, wait, I think they, uh, I think they forgot to put some pages in this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's exciting. Uh, my my uh, recommendation is going to be go camping because Jesse and I are going camping this weekend too. I forgot to even mention that. Yeah, with our wives, no with, less. With our wives and your baby, and yeah. uh, we will be camping at the f- base of Mount Rainier, which will be a beautiful, fun thing to do with a river and stuff. <laughs> You didn't prepare for this, did you? A little bit. Okay, Jesse, what's your second recommendation? <laughs> my second recommendation is uh, Frasier. It's on Netflix. Me and my Watch aforementioned it. wife have been binge-watching it. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Dude, that's just fucking good. I actually know uh, one of Lydia's friends binge-watched the entire thing. It's good. <laughs> and now, like, the, the intro song is stuck in my head on repaint all day. The funny thing is the kid who plays Fraser's son in that show. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been introduced yet. But but he is on Mad Men. What? The actor who played his Eddie? son is on Admin. No, Eddie's the dog, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I was kidding. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the actor who plays his son is on, is on Mad Men. Well. Um, so there you go. So nice. He said it thrice. Right. Uh, he's on Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> And then my second invitation this oh. week, uh, I watched uh, the Ken Burns. Oh, Bur- that was so gross. Sorry about that. I did Did you puke? 
Almost a little bit. Oh actually. God! <laughs> now that's book ending. <laughs> um, and uh, and my recommendation this week is going to be I watched the uh, Ken Burns National Parks documentary, and it's really amazing. And if you want to be the the crazy thing about Ken Burns documentaries is that they are extremely interesting and extremely boring at the same time. I don't know how he <laughs> That's does how it. I feel about the Prohibition one? Yeah, it's, it's like ex- I love all this info, but man, it's boring. <laughs> it's extremely interesting and extremely boring. And like yesterday, it literally drove me to both tears and sleep at the same time. <laughs> Tears of sleep ran down your face. Tears of sleep ran down my face as I watched the, the Ken Burns National Parks documentary. Really interesting stuff about Olympic National Park and how basically it was the rainforest was saved by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That's oh really? FDR yeah. not a uh, team. No, yeah, that. Olympic was uh, was FDR, and basically the logging companies wanted to come in and cut down the largest, you know, because they're the largest like. Uh, cedars and Douglas firs in the world grow and there. Spruce. Yeah, and spruce grow there on the Olympic Peninsula. And the logging people wanted to come in and cut it all down. The Forest Service was going to basically let them do that. And then FDR came out and uh, and was like, no, we'll turn this whole thing into a national park. And then uh, actually doubled the size of the Mount Olympus National Monument so that it basically covered the entire peninsula and uh, saved the rainforest. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, it's actually what the movie Fern Gully is based off of. So uh, <laughs> anyway, National Parks, Ken Burns. Uh, and if that doesn't make you want to go camping, I don't know what will. There you go. All right. Let's call it a cast. What do you say? Yeah, I need to go wash my hands. All right. Well, until next time, listener, wherever you go. Whatever you do. Please stay, stay arrogant. arrogant. <laughs>